Good morning. It's time to talk about Sack City Podcast, which is now sponsored by Manscaped. The best thing for your sack since sliced? Well, sacks. Keep your sack smooth with the new Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer for those bushy sacks, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant for those smelly sacks, and take care of those extra sacks with the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Not to mention some performance boxer briefs and a travel sack to put your goodies in. Manscaped is a sack leader with over 6 million worldwide who trust this product. That's roughly 12 million sacks. So join them with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code SACCITY at manscaped.com. That's promo code SACCITY at manscaped.com for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Order your sack saver now and show your sack the love it deserves. Manscaped. Got Bush? Sack City, welcome into another edition of Sack City Podcast. I'm your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by my best friend in the whole entire world. He is Aaron the Mukes. I, uh, Mukes. It is a beautiful August 25th morning here in the city. Episode 72 is about to kick off, and you know damn well when you see we're talking Jaguars in the title, you know it's going to be a special show or an exciting show, at least on my end because we get to talk jags but that's not all we're getting to talk about we're getting to talk about that man right there the big turd himself carson wentz and the washington commanders uh it's going to be an episode you do not want to miss we've got morning headlines an injury update and so much more aaron how goes it uh it goes well man i'm, I'm excited uh, i got out of my my work clothes for this one i'm gonna I'm going to do this in my regular street clothes because I got to bring the heat for you. The Jacksonville, Jacksonville, Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, your team. Uh, I have a lot to say about them. I have a lot to Good. say. You, you might be shocked because I've actually talked them very highly about them all off season. Um, so you're going to have to see where my record, where I have them, you know, finishing this year uh, might surprise you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. And that's kind of what I like to do. Like whenever we talk Jags football, I'm like, you know, I'm always going to go to you guys for like your takes. Cause like, it's always nice to see, what really because like you know when you're a fan and like everyone yeah, has yeah, you, just, just come out and say it Vinny. you're a fan you don't know what you're talking about every when it comes to your team that's hard to put your fandom aside at times and everyone is vulnerable to this you yeah. do it i do it aj does it dylan definitely does it for all 16 teams that he likes um it's it's hard to avoid at times some are better than others some are not but we're going to talk Jaguars, and we're going to get into uh, their season outlook as well as the Washington Commanders. Um, but first, let's get into some morning headlines. And actually, former Jacksonville Jaguars, Shaquem Griffin, he had a little stint with the Jacksonville Jaguars, has announced his retirement. Shaquem Griffin, obviously the brother of Shaquille Griffin, the cornerback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, played about four seasons in the NFL, has announced his retirement. We all know of his story with the um, – 
with his arm and and, and um, everything that went on with that. I mean, I saw a video today of him bench pressing at the combine, uh, twenty lifts on the bench press, and with his with his um with his with his little arm. Oh, it's it, it was a great story. And what was great about Shaquem Griffin was was that it, his play on the field wasn't like something that was going to wow you. He was not a superstar. He did not have a superstar career, but his impact on the game and the impact on the communities um, was huge. And it, it's great to have a player like that in forever tied to the NFL um, to make to basically like good publicity. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're, you're right. Um, you know, it's crazy because the first time I ever seen Griffin play football was at college at UCF and, I remember watching him and I was like, oh, this dude's like legit off the edge. And I did not even notice that he was missing part of his arm or didn't have a hand and all that stuff. And then I'm watching him get the quarterback. I'm like, wait, the dude just picked off, ran it back. It was a pick six. He ran back. And I was like, that dude only has one arm, right? Really? He's playing out there with a disability compared to these elite athletes. And he was dominant on the football field. And yes, it was UCF. And yes, it, maybe it wasn't Bama. And maybe, it, you know, he wasn't dominant in the NFL. But to get to the point where he did, which was be on an NFL roster for, you know, a, a period of time, the average NFL career in general for fully functioning human adult males with all of their extremities is three years. And this man played four years in the NFL, um, has a brother still in the league, an inspiration to to so many that, you know, ever felt like, hey, I can't do it. I can't make it. All you have to do is look to a guy like that and say, there's no excuse. Like, you don't have an excuse of why you can't do something because he put everything aside and he, and he made it happen. So um, again, I, I, I vividly remember my first time ever watching him play football and I was in shock and awe. Now we see guys, the basketball player, the high schooler that's going to college with the one arm that's doing things, amazing things on the basketball court. And you see these things happening and you're like, you can look to Griffin and say, not saying he was the first, the person ever do it, but he definitely to get to the NFL and play at the level he did, he had to be one of the very few people that we've ever seen um, get to that high of a level. Yeah, he's a and he's a great ambassador for what it means to battle through adversity and um, seize every opportunity that's given to him and, and work hard for everything that he's that that he's got in his career. Um, definitely, definitely a someone someone to look up to. Um, in other news, though, the Miami Dolphins are working out two-time Super Bowl champion uh, Trey Flowers. Obviously, won those two Super Bowls with New England Patriots linebacker. He was just released by the Detroit Lions back in March. Still very uh, on the younger side of things. He just turned 29. He has been working out with the Miami Dolphins, possibly able to bring in a new. If they do go out and sign him, he's going. He could be a an impact player for this team. Maybe not to the extent of like him taking over games, but definitely a good piece to add to that Mike McDaniels defense in Miami. In other news, we've got two players that got released, two bigger names. Uh, Kenyon Drake was released by the Las Vegas Raiders, the running back. Now it'll be, we talked about it a little bit on our recap shows um, or our fantasy show yesterday. Zamir White will be the backup running back behind Josh Jacobs. Uh, Kenyon Drake no longer there. And the Cardinals releasing Daryl Williams. I look like an absolute joke, an absolute clown after my comments yesterday saying that he's going to spell James Conner. But what this really means is Cardinals releasing Daryl Williams, meaning that Eno Benjamin is someone that they really like. Maybe not really like as like the number one guy, is but it? 
I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you already off the top of the show. It didn't take, you took us seven minutes and 23 seconds in order for me to, to challenge that first thought process of you saying, you know, Benjamin, because you know, I like, you know, Benjamin, the name to watch out for is Keontae Ingram. That rookie is the name is the reason why I think Daryl Williams got released. I don't think it's because of, you know, Benjamin, I think it's Keontae Ingram. I think they like him. I think he carves himself out a role to have an impact this year. I'm not saying he's going to be great. I'm not saying he's going to take over James Conner. But I think they're going to start to use him and, you know, Benjamin and that backup role. Um, so it would not shock me if it's Keontae Ingram that eventually kind of moves himself into that running back number two spot for Arizona. Um, and they had a, a lot of guys. You know, Benjamin's been kind of a – he's just been a guy that's been there. I, I like his talent, but I don't know if they ever really give him a shot. But Keontae Ingram is going to be somebody, in my opinion, that uh, they're going to give an opportunity to at some point in time, whether that's early in the season, late in the season, or maybe just down the road in the future – I think that's why Daryl Williams is no longer on this roster. Yeah, I think it's I think it comes down to the potential of not not just Ingram, but and both Ingram and you know Benjamin. I think the potential of those two guys, I think that they're the trust is there uh to put in and say, okay, maybe we don't need Daryl Williams anymore. Maybe it was maybe Daryl Williams was in there, just came in to give them that little push, the little push, you know, Benjamin and Ingram, and that that's where it's at. But either way, I still think. James Conner is going to be a bust this year. And, you know, Benjamin. Will <laughs> don't die up. on the hill, Vinny. I will. I, I, did it last on the year. Hill. I did it last year with, with, uh, with James Conner. I died don't, on that hill. I was dogging James Conner last year. He proved me wrong. I kind of just, I don't know if I just want to say, I want to see it again, but I just see the regression coming. If you guys missed that fantasy show, it is out now available on our YouTube page at Sac City pod. Um, one last bit of news that I wanted to get into before you go into your news is Jesse Bates, the star safety from the Cincinnati Bengals, has signed his franchise tag and will play this season with the Cincinnati Bengals. We did not deal, we did not need Dylan from the bowling alley to report this. It is confirmed. Jesse Bates is back with the Cincinnati Bengals. He called me. What does Dylan called me yesterday? Told me, said I saw it on Snappy Chat. Uh, okay, got it. Got it. Good old, good old, the, the old Snapchat rumor mill. That's what, that's what Dylan is good for. That for. Came, in th- came through with the, uh, the Nuggets. Hey, that Fort, that Fort Wayne connection with him and Jesse Bates and, and then the Snapchat. But what does this mean going forward for Jesse, for not just Jesse Bates, not just for maybe the defense of the Cincinnati Bengals, but also for Daxton Hill, who we've been big on saying that he's going to be developing with Jesse Bates out. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know why would anybody would be surprised here. Uh, this is not shocking. Nobody wants to lose that much money, man. This guy wants to play football and he wants to get paid. And they couldn't sign him to a long term deal. There was no doubt in my mind that he would be back at some point. I didn't think he would miss games. We've only seen guys like Le'Veon Bell do that once. Melvin Gordon did it for six games, and you see what happened to him. He came back real quick. So. Uh, I think this just says that Jesse Bates was trying to prove a point. He didn't want to be there in training camp. And he said, hey, look, I deserve to be paid like one of the top safeties in the league, and you guys need to pay me. I'm going to skip camp. You guys are going to maybe not even worry about it. Maybe it did. Who knows? But I'm going to use that as a negotiating tactic as we go forward into the next season. But to me, honestly, I also think maybe there was a little bit of, man, Dax Hill's starting to play pretty well in the in the preseason. And you see him making plays, and then you're Jesse Bates, and you're like – Maybe I'm more expendable in Cincinnati and I don't want to be. Maybe it's because I want to be in Cincinnati and I need to get back on the field as soon as possible so that Dax Hill doesn't get to play in any regular season games as the starter and get to stand out and get to be the guy that Cincinnati can look and say, hey, we don't have to pay this guy Jesse Bates. 
Like we have another guy who's young, who's who's capable, and we don't have to give top market dollar or top dollars in a safety market that most teams don't want to pay top dollar for. We've seen it lately with a couple of them, but most teams don't want to pay high price safeties. It's why you see the Jamal Adams get let go from the Jets, and the safety position is just not one in the NFL that people want to pay a lot for. So um, I think there was a little bit of that, but also just Jesse Bates saying, hey, look, I need to get back on the field. I don't want to sit out. Do do you think that this kind of maybe had something to do with the Derwin James contract? Maybe uh, you brought up the fact that like with the safety market and Derwin James basically, I don't want to say he reset the safety market because not every safety is like Derwin James, but he set the standard for top safety money with his payday from the Los Angeles Chargers. And maybe that's Jesse Bates seeing that and saying, shit, I have not really done what Derwin James had. I have not impacted games as much as, as what Derwin James has and saying, okay, I need to get back out there and prove it this year. So I can go out and make that Derwin James money. I don't think so. Um, I would argue that Jesse Bates has been a better safety in the NFL than Derwin James, not from a talent perspective, but from a reliability perspective, Derwin James has suffered so many injuries. Jesse Bates has been on the field, been to a Super Bowl, won playoff games. Like Derwin James doesn't have any of that. Like Derwin James hasn't really, we could talk about the talent level all day long. And yes, he is super talented, but Jesse Bates has made impact plays and impact games to for a team to get to a certain level. So I would think the opposite. I would think he would look at that safety market and say, if he was looking at Derwin James's contract, then he would say, you know what? I'm sitting out. I'm going to stay out because I know what I'm worth. Um, I, I don't think it was that. I don't think it had anything to do with Derwin James's dollar amount. I think it had to do with the fact that he's looking now and saying, what do I have to gain by sitting out? Yeah. Um, outside of if he really feels like he has more leverage in the offseason, if, if he doesn't feel he could be replaced by Cincinnati. And that's what I mean to the Dax Hill point. Look at a guy. Maybe you can be replaced. And maybe then if Cincinnati's not going to pay you, then every other team is not going to feel the need to really come out and throw money at you. And it becomes this like not, not high of a bidding war that even though the people are bidding against each other, they're not throwing the top dollar out there because the one team that you were already on in a city that you love didn't even feel the need to pay you. So um, I don't know if it had to do with the German James contract. I do think he'll get paid. I do think he'll get paid as a top safety, whether it's the top safety or, a rung below the top safeties, um, you know, it remains to be seen, but I do think he'll end up getting paid. Yeah. And I, I feel slightly stupid here. Cause I was like, man, I didn't even realize Jesse Bates and Derwin James came into the league both in 2018. But uh, and then I thought about, it, I'm like, they're both up for a contract extension. Duh. Of course they're, yeah. they came into the league at the same time, but like, yeah, I guess I just wouldn't, I, 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 I personally feel like Derwin James or Jesse Bates, like, came onto the scene, like burst onto the scene last year more so than any year. Um, but he, you're right. When you look when, for me, for me, but then you look I was gonna at say, cause last year was like his worst year. I, I don't know. I just feel like Jesse Bates, name value came up more last year. Maybe it was because the Bengals were winning well, more. That's why you like, you, you start to hear their stars getting the, the recognition that they, they deserve. That might be it with, with Jesse Bates. And I'm not trying to discredit him at all. Like, no, you're, you're more, right. This is more calling my own stupidity out and me disrespecting Jesse Bates of not knowing enough about him uh, to compare that. Remember, um, all you have to remember that Derwin James was a first round pick. That always matters. Um, he won defensive, uh, he was getting voted for defensive 
uh, rookie of the year. He made all pro his first year. And again, I'm not knocking his his abilities because we know he was a pro bowler two out of his three years. Derwin James is that is that good of a football player, but he missed almost an entire season in the middle there. And that's one thing people always worry about when you pay a guy is how much time are you missing? And then last year, he wasn't very good last year. He was he was the best player, one of the better players on a bad defense, and he didn't stand out. He didn't make that defense better. So he really didn't play that well last year. It's this is um it's just different. It's, it's different. It, it's two different guys. And it, a lot has, it has to do with that success. And Cincinnati was successful. And you start to notice guys like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is one other bit of news for our morning headliners that I will let you, Aaron, kind of take away, um, take it away from here. Um, yeah. I didn't think you were going that route, but um, I, I thought you would still at least announce it. No, I'm just like, um, I... So long time Chiefs quarterback, long time Chiefs quarterback, um, Len Dawson passed away. Obviously condolences to Len Dawson, the Chiefs organization, his family. Um, but I wanted to bring him up. We, Vinny and I talked about, I wanted to bring him up because of the impact he had on the NFL. And there is a lot of history with Len Dawson. Um, back to the AFL, NFL days. Many people don't even know what the NFL was like before Um you know, he was before the NFL was really the NFL. He had four individual, he had four AFL passing titles. He selected the Pro Bowl All-Star Games in the AFL. They had the merger. He was the last guy to win AFL MVP. And then he went goes on to win a Super Bowl um, with the Chiefs and was named Super Bowl MVP. And we far too often gloss over and appre- and not appreciate the guys who kind of lay the foundation of the NFL to where it is today. And yeah, the stats don't stand out to you. Um, you can talk about yards when he won an MVP. It's, you know, it's not the, not the sexiest thing thrown for 170 yards in a, in a Super Bowl or something like that. 12 for 17, I think he went, but uh, the type of leader he was, the type of man he was that kind of put a team on his back in a, in a time where football was not the same. Football was very, very different back then. And they were still trying to, trying to gain traction and momentum for a league that eventually would become a multi-billion trillion dollar industry that it is today. So I always feel it's important to honor people like that. Uh, for those that don't know who Len Dawson is again, and then those that do know who he is and got to watch him play for the older crowd that I did not get to watch him play, um, show that appreciation for, for him in that aspect. So uh, obviously the passing sucks and we, again, condolences to family and everything like that. But um, for what he's Mark left on the National Football League, for me, is is big. It's a big impact. So I, I definitely wanted to make sure we at least mentioned it. For sure. For sure. Uh, and our thoughts and prayers go out to the entire Dawson family uh, and friends associated there. Um, best, best wishes for sure. Uh, all right. It is now time. That was our morning headlines. And, oh, you know, I can't I cannot do this. I cannot do it because it's our sponsor. Our morning headlines, of course, is brought to you by Manscaped's Body Wash. Their old premium body wash is infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling so fresh, so clean, and so moisturized. Get it today at manscaped.com and use that promo code SAXON at checkout to save yourself 20% off and free shipping. Aaron? It is now time for the injury report, and I am going to play the intro to it. Although I did not play the intro to the morning headlines, I will be playing this. I'm 
Oh, that was so clean. All right, your injury <laughs> report. And uh, there are a lot of injuries, Vinny, and this we knew this was coming. So many things happening. Uh, we're going to start in Carolina. Matt Corral, we talked about it on the fantasy episode a little bit, I believe, or maybe it was the Carolina episode. I don't know. All the days seem to run together. Uh, but he's going on season-ending IR, and he's going to undergo his Liz Frank um, repair surgery for his Liz Frank injury. We know how hard that is to come back from. We hope Matt Corral can get back next year. But that is something that could linger a couple of years down the road if, if it's not handled properly. So uh, unfortunate circumstances for him there, but um, he'll have to work his way back. In Baltimore, uh, rookie, another rookie, Travis Jones has a sprained knee and is expected to miss time three to five weeks. So probably jeopardy, in jeopardy of missing some time in the regular season. Maybe you get him back by weeks three, four, somewhere around there. Um, again, not a great start for the Baltimore Ravens, losing some guys. Gus Edward goes on PUP. Uh, and then you have, obviously, now Travis Jones hurt. We saw this last year. They got to kind of nip that in the butt right now. I'm not sure why we're talking about a punter, but Rigoberto hey, Sanchez. Man, give, give Rigoberto some credit, man. That's why yeah, I Yeah, Rigoberto to Sanchez suffered a torn Achilles. Um, unfortunate, again, not trying to make light of it, but he will be out for the year, and they signed Matt Hawk to replace him. Um, an update on Elijah Mitchell. Elijah Mitchell is going to be ready for week one. He's on track to play for week one, barring any setbacks there. So that's good news for the 49ers. Uh, big one here. I, when I saw this news, I wasn't sure what it was, but I do think this is a big deal. J.C. Jackson, for the, the new addition to the Chargers defense, he went, underwent ankle surgery on Tuesday. Um, they're not sure about the regular season opener. That's going to be big. He's expected to miss two to four weeks there. Um, they said it's a minor procedure. But anytime you're missing time and anytime you go under the knife for surgery, uh, that's that's something to kind of keep an eye on. Um, with the Colts, pass rusher, Quitty Pay uh, sustained a knee injury in practice on Wednesday. Um, they say it's just a bone bruise. He should be fine. But again, we don't want anything to linger there. We know the regular season, they have a couple of weeks to get ready for that. And then finally, <laughs> this is just news that's just breaking. Um Last and night more continues to roll through as we do the yeah. show. <laughs> La last night and this morning, they're going to do more tests today. But uh, yeah, Tyron Smith sustained a torn left hamstring. Uh, it's devastating. And I'm saying that not from a Dallas Cowboys fan, but from a person who watches the Dallas Cowboys, it's devastating for the Dallas Cowboys. And I mean that like they needed Tyron Smith to be healthy because they don't have the depth on the offensive line like they used to have. And he's getting older. And I, I feel like this is kind of the beginning of the end for Tyron Smith. It's just year now, three or four in a row that he had just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, you wonder if if it's rookie Matt Willetsko to come in and fill in there. Do you wonder, do they move Tyler Smith to the outside? I do like Matt Willetsko, but let's be honest, he's a rookie. I think you probably have to move him to the right side, move Terrence Steele back to the left side. And we've seen this show before. So Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, good luck. Like yeah. I, there are not many left tackles in the, in the game of football in their prime that have ever played the game. And I'm dead serious about this. That were as good as Tyron Smith at his peak dominant left tackle. And um, it's unfortunate that he's been banged up over the past couple of years, but that's the NFL, man, the body wears down real fast and it's caught up to Tyron Smith and uh, it's unfortunate, but he'll likely miss an extended period of time this season. If he can get back at all. Does it does this uh, pump the brakes on your Ezekiel Elliott hype train for fantasy? No, 
Okay. No, I think volume is still good. Um, he's always found a way to produce, even with the injuries on the offensive line, even the bad years with the Cowboys offense and the injuries on the offensive line from a fantasy perspective, the volume will be there. I do does worry it, about it from a team perspective. Does it affect Dak and fantasy at all? Does it, does it, no, no. Barring, barring an injury, no, but barring, but an injuries become real more possibilities uh, happen when you have somebody that you're not familiar with, or that's not great protecting that blind side. So there's concern. Uh, but from a number standpoint, I don't think it impacts from a number standpoint. I think it impacts from a team success overall standpoint. Um, it's just it's just really unfortunate. Okay. All right. And that's our injury report. Oh, you oh, so you ain't even gonna get into the pup list. You ain't even uh, gonna get into listen, the pup you know list. how I feel about the pup list, but go ahead and bring it up since you got a graphic for it. Um, we know Chase Young was put on the pup list after tearing his ACL. There's going to be some time where he's going to have to still get back. Not uncommon. You're coming back from an injury like like an ACL that takes time, along with Gus Edwards, who also tore his ACL. It's no shock that those guys are um, added on that list. And if you want to add a third, it's Jamison Williams, Jameson Williams, who in college just did that. So um, I, I don't know, to honestly, the extent of Jason Verrett or Okoro as far as their injuries, what those were to put them on the fuck list. But I will tell you. Um, I think they have to miss the first four, right? First At least four. four. Yeah, that's um, that's the biggest thing with this is, is the yeah. like with all these guys now going on the pup list officially uh, this past during these past few days, uh, it guarantees them all to be missing at least four at least four games to start the regular season, which yeah. I think the biggest one is the is Chase Young. I mean, we just don't know. And we're obviously gonna talk about the commanders in just a few moments, but that's a that's a big blow to that defensive line and and on it where we're just all hoping and wanting to see more of what chase young can do because he's a special talent um and then even on the jamison williams side like we want to see that explosiveness from jamison williams that we that we're we were known to see from co- in college and i think that one was wait. expected right like i think yeah. that one we knew kind of jamison probably would not be playing for the lions until the middle of the season i think that was the expectation so that one didn't yeah. shock me that one didn't like oh my god what are they gonna do but Again, you got an ACL injury, man. I would rather have them come back fully healthy than that first year, yeah. just not trusted and, and not look like themselves. Especially two young guys, too, and Chase Young and, and Jamison Williams as well. Yeah. Um, but that does it, though. Oh, Gus Edwards ain't young? Yeah, you know. Oh, okay, just, okay. He's no spring chicken compared to Jamison Williams and Chase Young. So, um, But that does it, though, for our injury report. After this commercial break, we are going to be getting into the season previews for the Commanders and the Jacksonville Jaguars. This season preview is brought to you by Manscaped's brand new ultra premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. This luxurious lather cleanses and nourishes in just one step. Using coconut water, green tea, and aloe, this non-greasy daily formula is naturally hydrating and rich in antioxidants to revitalize the look and feel of your hair. So head on over to manscaped.com and use the promo code SACCITY for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. The new ultra premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner from Manscaped. Take care of hair everywhere. Get your manscape. Be sure. No, 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 no. No. Come out of the break with it. It's time to follow the Sac City podcast. Thanks to Manscaped for sponsoring us. But you got to make sure you're following us. Following us on all those wonderful platforms. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter twat. Uh, whatever it is, MySpace, if you got it, follow us on Whoa. there too. Go to all the social media platforms. Be sure to like, share, subscribe. We're dropping content daily, and I'm talking mad content. Like, 
beyond crazy content. We're giving you game recaps, game previews, uh, power rankings, uh, fantasy content. We do little short videos. We do it all. This is what we do. We are Swiss Army Knights. We're, we're like the prime version of Cordero Patterson, like when he was actually good for the five games last year. We're that guy. So um, just go out there and make sure you longer. follow us, subscribe. And oh, we are going to last long. Hey, I, I, hope, I hope we last longer and I new hope it slogan. as long. New slogan, and I'm sure we're, we're just copyright or something in here. <laughs> Sac City Podcast, baby. We're built to last. Let's go. Oh, man. <laughs> built to last, Duralast, the batteries. Oh, yeah, that's, is, that's, that, that's, is that somebody's slogan already? Yeah, that's Duralast yeah, batteries. Whatever. That's, yeah. Built to last, Duralast. No, yeah, that's what it is. Go shave um, your balls with Manscaped. Type in that promo code Sac City and follow us on all our platforms. There it is. The Washington Commanders season preview coming right up here. We're talking offense. We're talking defense. We're talking what to watch for, odds, schedule, record predictions, and that preseason power ranking. It's starting to fill out there. Uh, let's start with the offensive side of the ball, Aaron. Uh, what? Uh, let's Okay, let's just do this. Let's just get it out of the way now, okay? You, your background, you have been uh, – very hard on one Carson Wentz and it's all in fairness. It's all completely fair. Um, but there's gotta be a way he could change your mind. There has to be something that he can do this season to change your mind from him going from a big turd to maybe a slightly a less turd. bigger turd. Okay. So what do you want to see from Carson Wentz this year to change your mind? I, I think you like disappointing me. Um, I do. Because if you were subscribed to the Sex City podcast, I dropped a short telling people exactly what Carson Wentz would need to do to get off of my turd list and get back in my good graces. It's simple. He needs to return to the form when he was, quote, unquote, the MVP. 2017, 11-2 record, 33 touchdowns to seven picks. A guy who was confident, a guy who played like he was a leader. He treated the team like he was a leader. And then all of a sudden, you tear your ACL. And that's unfortunate. And you went through a, a, a tragic injury. But when you come back from that injury, after a guy leads your team to the Super Bowl, it seems like you are you don't like that somebody took your job. You're whining. You're complaining. You're making excuses. There's tension in the locker room. And you are no longer that guy that people are looking at as the future of the franchise. And I think that's gotten into his head. I think it's played a, a huge role in what's happened since then. He, got, he has to let it all go. He's got to not worry about Aaron Mukes. The, the Mukesiah calling him a turd. He needs to go out there and just show that he can play the game of football and not continue to hurt his football team when it matters most. Can't throw picks like he threw last, last season when he's falling down and just throws it up in the air. We get on quarterbacks for that like that all the time. And unless you're Patrick Mahomes and you can make up for that and bounce back, then you're not going to be, you're going to be criticized. It's Jameis Winston. We got on him when he threw 30 picks. It's the same story here. He has to be confident and comfortable in his own skin, comfortable as him as a quarterback, and trust his ability. Because I've never questioned Carson Wentz's quarterback ability. Can he throw the ball? Yes. Can he make throws on the field that many quarterbacks cannot make? Absolutely. And at times, you see it. We saw it last year at times, and we're like, is he, is he, is he, oh, is he, oh. Every time. And it's here. It's right here. It's it's very Jay Cutler-esque. Very, very Jay Cutler-esque. It's this, you look at the guy and you're like, man, that's a super talented guy, but something ain't right. And yeah. I think it starts right here. And it's very, like I said, it's very Jay Cutler-esque. 
Yeah, there, there, there is a next level that we have to see from Carson. Like statistically speaking, and this is what people get out. Like always, go back to if you're a Carson Wentz defender. Is statistically speaking, I mean, you look at his stats last season. He was a good quarterback last year in terms of stats with his touchdown to interception ratio. It's just in those big moments we saw him collapse, and we've there's always been that knock on Carson Wentz of the mental toughness and the. Just basically almost the personality of Carson Wentz in the locker room and that mental toughness of him that was always in question. And in those key moments where the game's on the line, you have to do something, you have to go make out, go out and make out a play, just never really gets it done. We saw it in Indianapolis. And that's what you have to see from Carson Wentz to, to, to change this. I mean, would you say... Where would you rank the commander's weapons in terms of how, like, the best weapons Carson Wentz has had? I mean, you look at what he's had in, in Philadelphia. Alshon Jeffrey, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, um, Deshaun Jackson. I will tell you, it's it's behind Philly and in front of the Colts. But it's hard to say that because if you're only talking receivers, the Colts had a perfect setup for Carson Wentz. A perfect setup, a great defense, a great offensive line, the best running back in football last year, a number one target in Michael Pittman, and you didn't make the playoffs. You lost to the Jaguars in the last game of the season. To me, this isn't about weapons. This isn't um, This isn't about – it's about Carson Wentz. It, it really is not about weapons. And Everybody wants to throw out the time in Philly. This He's been a 500 quarterback basically his entire career. The one good season – the one winning season, I know we don't like to say wins or quarterback stats, but guess what they are? We look directly at wins and how are you winning? Are you able to elevate your team to victories? And outside of one season, he hasn't been. He's been hovering around 500 his entire career. So what are you doing to elevate your team? Otherwise, you're just getting by. You're, you're just doing enough to win a few games, but you can never put your team over the top. And this is a guy, and I always say this, I am not judging him based on the NFL quarterbacks and if he can play in the league. I'm not saying – I call him a turd because he's not doing what the number two overall in the pick uh, – overall draft pick is should be doing. The hundred-plus million dollars he got paid should be doing. That's why he is a turd. Not because he can't play football in this league. But when you are picked number two overall and traded up for it, given away assets for it, you have to produce like that or you're a turd. Come in comparison to those guys that we expect <laughs> to be elite at those levels. So um, it's the same thing that AJ doesn't like about Mitch Trubisky. Like he just hasn't lived up to being that high of a draft pick. Carson Wentz got a hundred million plus dollars. What has he done to say that that contract was number one deserved and number two, that he's lived up to that. Like I, I haven't seen it. So until I see that he was always going to be judged based off of that. And that's why he has a big shit burger on his head right here. I don't, I'm not big. trying to disrespect the man as a football player. He's one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. I will say that. He deserves to start on a team if you look at the grand scheme of things. He has that talent. But I feel like that was not a enough. backwards compliment. It's not enough. I feel, like was, I feel like that was a really backwards compliment there. You what know, you he's, the, he's one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. That's like, not a backwards compliment. Do you, you understand? Thirty-two guys in the entire universe. No, get I get. To start I get for you, an NFL team. 
I get what you're saying. Like, I get it is meant to be like a compliment, but like, it also it just it feels like you know you're like you're the best out of like every you're the best out of the group of everybody, but you may be the worst out of the group of everybody. Like, like Daniel no. Jones, like like Daniel Jones, you are the best out of the thirty. Like, but you, but that's you, what I'm saying. So when I want people to understand when I'm calling him a turtle, because they'll be like, oh, what are you doing? You can't. He's an NFL player. Like, I'm not – it's not about whether he's good enough to play in the NFL. I, I will tell you if I really feel he's not good enough to play in the NFL. It's just I'm putting him on the same level as his counterparts. I'm looking at him as the same level of, of quarterbacks that are selected, number two overall or number one overall, that we have expectations for. It's the same reason why Daniel Jones does not get slack because he was the sixth pick overall in the draft. If he was a fourth-round pick – we wouldn't care that Daniel Jones wasn't good. We would just move on to the next guy. But when you're picked that high, you have expectations that come along with that. That's yeah. Carson Wentz. He had expectations. He started to get there, and then he fell flat on his face. And maybe it was an injury. Maybe it was a mental thing. I don't know. But he has not gotten back to that point where we can say, that is an elite quarterback that's going to take a team to a Super Bowl and win. Yeah. That's it. It's fair. It's fair. On the defensive side of the ball for the Washington Commanders, this was a team that last season, correct me if I'm wrong, last season you you were honest with the Washington Commanders defense and going into the season, a lot of people were hyped around them and you were kind of bringing them back down to earth and then the season happened and, well, they, I don't want to say fell flat on their face, but they disappointed. That Washington Commanders defense disappointed. Aaron, what went wrong last season with that defense, and how do they bounce back this season? Um, a lot went wrong. Everything. Um, they, they didn't play well, didn't start the season well. That hurt them a lot in the long run. They did get better as the season gone, went on. They allowed over 6,000 yards. They they couldn't cover anybody. They couldn't get to the quarterback. Uh, I, I thought – it was it was unreasonable expectations for the Washington defense, and I thought they bought into some of the hype. I really think so. I think that defensive line is super talented. I think they have a bunch of names on their roster that can be really good, and I said that this is a team that if everything – if they perform to their capabilities, they would be one of the best defenses in football, and I think many people expected that last year, but everybody was buying – everybody was drinking the juice. We had – I believe we had Dante come on this show, talk about it. We had AJ talk about him. I, yep. I saw uh, ESPN analysts talking about they were going to win the division because that was the best defense in the division. They were elite, the pass rush, this and that. And I was like, I've seen this NFL before. It's great when it's on paper, but you have to show me. Like I, I did, I never trusted it fully. And there's still, I still have that little bit inside me that's saying, I, I, I sense it's going to happen again this year. And part of it is not because their defense is not talented. Part of it is because their offense, and I lack trust in that offense, to put their defense in good situations and, and to be ahead in games and to allow those pass rushers to get to the quarterback. That matters in the NFL. It's a team sport. It's not all about the names that you put on that defensive side of the football. So without Chase Young early in the season, without um, really knowing how you're going to get to the quarterback, because that's really their biggest pass rusher, that's their only like legit st standout guy, um, I think that's going to be a problem for them. And I think they're going to have to find ways to overcome it. And maybe that is just finding a way to run the football better, um, keep the ball a little bit longer so their defense doesn't have to be on the field. I think, I mean, I think the key for that defense is going to be the pass rush. And I don't think that 
it is just Chase Young. I do. I mean, you look at Montez Sweat and Jerron Payne, like John, like you said, the names are there. Like this team has names. Like even you, even you go to the secondary. I mean, Kendall Fuller is, is a name. Like the potential is there. It's just everyone has to play their part on this defense to step up. And I mean, the, it's this division is. I don't want to say it's there for the taking, but. We know the NFC East and how no one's been able to repeat uh, in quite some time. And so I'm not to say the division is there for the taking, but if the Washington commanders want a shot at this, that defense is going to have to play to the potential um, that we, that we've set for them even last year with these names that can't be just names on paper. They have to go out and prove it with, especially that defensive line that can get to the quarterback with, with those guys like Payne, sweat, Allen and Chase Young, like do your job and you're going to be able to, to set yourself up uh, no matter what Carson Wentz does on the offensive side of the ball. If that defense is playing to the level that, that they are capable of, they could, they're, they will be a team to be worried about in the NFC East. Um, as a whole though, with the commanders, Aaron, what are you watching for this season the most? Yeah, I'm looking for somebody on the offensive side of the football to step up. I think I know – I mean, obviously, we're not talking about Carson Wentz at this point. We're, And I don't think we're talking about Terry McLaurin. I think we know what he's capable of, what he can give you. But who's the other guy? Um, we saw a couple of years ago was Antonio Gibson really kind of take – step up, J, him and J.D. McKissick. And what, what were they able to do? They were able to get to the playoffs and, and make, a, make a little run. So I think – I think that's what I'm looking for. We see Antonio Gibson kind of falling back on the depth chart. Maybe it's a Brian Robinson that comes in and kind of takes control of that backfield. And you look and you say, okay, this is the guy that's going to help this offense. Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, who they went out and paid for last year. Somebody, Logan Thomas maybe being back, helps them. Some Who's the other guy? Who is the guy that you can look to and say, it ain't just Terry McLaurin, and it's not just, hey, good quarterback play that's going to help us get to where we want to go. Who is that other guy that steps up, gets 1,000 yards either on the ground, uh, through the air, makes big catches, goes and wins us some games on some big plays. I think they've lacked that over the course of – I'm trying to think back when they – since since the Kirk Cousins days. Yeah. Like – Pierre you know, Gosson. Yeah, like like Robert Griffin III when he was yeah. like first there. Like they've lacked those explosive plays, um, and I think they need to find somebody that can do that. And I don't know if they have that on their roster currently. I don't. I, I'm excited I, for Jahan Dotson, but I don't know that he brings that – um, Curtis Samuel's been kind of eh, and then Brian Robinson, I think, is more of a bruiser. I don't think he's going to bring you big plays. I think it's Antonio Gibson, to be honest. It should and, be, and I don't know if he's really going to be that guy. Yeah. Maybe that's what he turns into, though. Maybe it's now, hey, he's not getting a full workload, but when he comes in, he has that burst plays, you know, 20, 30, 40 here. Um, because we've seen it happen. Guy ran for 200 yards in a couple of games just, you know, just a year ago. So, um, yeah, who's going to be explosive? That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of what it was last year, too, I've always felt. And maybe, it, like you said, the years prior, like last year it was Terry McLaurin, you're sprinkling your Antonio Gibson, and those were your real-life playmakers on that offense, but it was, that, it, it was just that. You would see your, like, a big play here and there from, like, a Cam Sims or a Daimi Brown. Like, every now and then you'll, like, like – You'd, you'd be watching red zone and then like you see, oh, like Jaime Brown just like had like a 75 yard touchdown pass. Like there was never that consistency there too. So like, I'm like definitely looking for someone like a secondary piece on that offense to step up. 
I think also it's it's worth noting that offensive line um, and the changes that they went through this past offseason, um, obviously losing uh, Brandon Scherf, now bringing in Andrew Norwell, bringing in a Trey Turner to play opposite side of Andrew Norwell on that at the guard position, Sam Cosme going into uh, another year. Uh, I think the development of that offensive line and whether or not they can gel because we talk about the the like the strength of the weapons that Carson Wentz has had throughout his career. This might be the the worst offensive line he's had in front of him in his career. Indianapolis obviously had a good one. Philly had a good one. And this is not to say like Washington's offensive line is terrible, but it's the lesser of the three teams that he has been on. Um, and there's definitely a lot of question marks and uncertainty with those guys that are there. Um, so I'm interested to see how well they gel. Let's go to our prop bets for the Washington Commanders. And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you here, Aaron. I'm going to be honest. I've had a very hard time on today's show getting the prop bets for the Commanders and the Jacksonville Jaguars because, like, the plus money is not was not there with the odds for these two teams. So it's a little tough. So we start off with the under seven and a half wins at plus 110 for the Washington Commanders. Over 23 and a half Carson Wentz passing touchdowns at minus 105 and over 1,000 and a half Terry McLaurin receiving yards is at minus 110. Aaron, what's your locked and loaded bet here? Under seven and a half and it's not close. I think it seems another disappointing year for them. Um, you know what I feel about Carson Wentz. I don't think he's a winner. I don't think he can win enough games. I don't think he has it in him. Um, and I don't, and unlikely to probably even finish the year as the starter, not because he's benched, but because of injuries or something like something just, um, just the under, I, I, there's no more analysis that needs to be said regarding the, the Washington commanders and what I feel about how many wins they're going to have. It's, it's under. Yeah. I'm it's, it's a fair bet to take. I think, I think it's tough to not go like, I mean, like Terry McLaurin over 1000, uh, over basically over a thousand yards there. He's been consistent with that, uh, being right around that mark. Um, let me see what, what was Terry McLaurin? Yeah. But so I wanted to bring this up earlier and you bring a perfect segue. How many teams can you look at and say the, the disparaging, there's a, the gap between the first guy and whoever the next best guy is, is as big as Washington has been. Like for the like wide receiver position? Any position. Yeah, Antonio Gibson, 1,000 yards rushing, next closest 200. Uh, Terry McLaurin, 1,000 yards receiving, next closest 300. Like, the, the there's such a big gap between their number ones and anybody else. Um, maybe it's better this year, I guess, because you got a John Dotson and maybe Curtis Samuel's healthy. But I don't know that I see it. Like Adam Humphreys, like I don't even remember seeing Adam Humphreys on the field a lot last year. He was their second best pass catcher last year Oof. outside of J.D. McKissick, which had 397 yards as running back. But as a receiver, <laughs> it was 383 from Adam Humphreys. It's not, it's not good. It's not good. What, what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. Like, and we're talking about teams that have almost 3,000 yard pass catchers. I, like, I, I do think. I do think, though, and we we like Jahan Dotson in the in the pre-draft process. We were all uh, we all liked him a lot, mm-hmm. but just this the situation that he's going to with this Commanders offense it just doesn't seem like the best fit for him. 
but the talent is still there. So if they can figure out the best, the way he's going to fit into this offense, and if he can be a key contributor, I, like he's going to be a great, a, a good player for this team. He's got the potential to do that. But I mean, like you said, I mean, the, the distance and the gap between your ones and your twos are, are there. Now, when you look at the schedule for the Washington commanders here, and you you go to that that question. I mean, the the defining part of this schedule, I think, and I don't want to go to the easy route, man, but I'm going to. It's got to be the division games with the with the NFC East the way it is, and the the way the history works with it, the fact that no one's been able to repeat as a, as NFC East champions. Um, that's what it comes down to for for the Commanders and. We talk about splitting these games against your division opponents. You have to be able to at least split with your with your Cowboys and your Eagles and then maybe get your sweeps of the Giants. And I'm not saying the Giants are going to be a pushover this year, but I don't think that they are. That You have to be able to win those games to be able to give yourself a chance. And, I mean, you, you look at their – I mean, Jacksonville, Detroit, Chicago. I mean, these, these games are – like, on paper – these games are winnable games for for the Washington Commanders. Get the get the job done against those teams. That's like that's like an obvious thing. But you have to be able to split with your division opponents to be able to give yourself a chance to to like continue the trend of not repeating uh, or uh NFC East champions not being able to repeat. Yeah, I think division games are always kind of what lends to what happens in the NFC East as far as the division winner. Um, if you're a team that goes five and one, six and oh, four and two in that division, usually that's the team that's winning the division. Um, I don't know that the Washington commanders can do that this year. I think the Philly's too good of a team. I think that Dallas is too good of a team uh, to where they, that they can win four to five games. I just think they're going to struggle this year. I think they're going to struggle all year long. Look, I'll be honest. I got, I got Washington going six and 11 and even more of a fun fact. You talk about division games. I have them winning two division games. I'm going two and four in the division. I haven't beating Philly once and I'm being the giants once. Um, and I'm not even sure about the Philly game, to be honest, it's at home. So I gave them that game, but I'm not really sure they could easily get swept by Dallas and Philly. And it would not shock me uh, six and 11 for, for the Washington commanders this year. Sorry, commanders fans, but. New team name, same old result. Say yeah, yeah. I I have them at um, I have them at seven and ten. Um, I think it's definitely a step back for the Commanders this year. Carson Wentz is not going to be able to to get the job done. I think I think Carson Wentz is going to have to play and and win them these games if they want to go better than seven and ten. And I just don't see that happening. Um, seven and ten for the Washington Commanders. Preseason power ranking time, though, Aaron. Where do they land on the preseason power rankings? Yeah, it's always hard with power ranks. We're trying to slot them in the right spot just in case late, later teams come in, want to go above, blah, blah, We found a nice cushion spot for Washington. Uh, we listed them at number 25, 25 in our, in our power rankings. Look, they're going to struggle. It's going to be a tough for them to get into the playoff contention. We talked about even playing in an NFC East that's not very strong or considered not very strong. They're going to struggle to win games. Chase Young's out. Carson Wentz were questioning. Um, so the Washington Commanders come in at number 25 on Sac City's preseason power rankings. I think, I think to be honest, with the Commanders at 25, 
I think that's a credit to their defense, like like the potential that their defense has. I think if that defense didn't have the potential that they had, I think they'd be lower. Uh, I don't know about that. Fair. Don't be disrespectful. Don't be too disrespectful. Nah, nah. I, I still like Terry McLaurin. Still like Jahan Dotson. Um, free Antonio Gibson. And there's your Washington Commander season preview. All right. Jacksonville Jaguars. Here we go. All right. Here we go. All right. The moment I don't have I'm anything ready. to say. Good. Good. Because you're not going to be able to say anything because it's going to be all me and nothing of you. Uh, I'm kidding. That's not how this is going to work because I want to get your opinion on these things. I'm tired of looking at the turd. Yeah, please take him down. I don't know. I don't think you. Okay, there you go. Baby hands, baby hands. All right. The Jacksonville Jaguars season preview, offense, defense, what to watch for, odds, schedule, a record prediction, and a preseason power rankings. We start off with the offense side of the ball, Aaron. Last season, we saw Trevor Lawrence have a pretty standard rookie season, I'd say, with some highs and quite a lot of lows during the Urban Meyer, the brief Urban Meyer era uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. The potential with Lawrence is there, though. Former first overall pick was considered a generational talent coming into the draft for out of Clemson. What is the next step, and what would you like to see Trevor Lawrence do this season to reach that next step? Yeah, I think I've mentioned this a few times on this show um, when it's when it comes to young quarterbacks. It's about progression. To me, it's not about winning when you're a young quarterback. You want to see the steps to where you say, that guy's getting better. That guy's going to be the future. Josh Allen, we saw it. Patrick Mahomes came in and did it right away, but you could see the improvement year over year as he, as he kind of went in through the league. So um, that's what I'm looking for from Trevor, from Trevor Lawrence. It's not about making excuses anymore about Urban Meyer or what kind of offense they're running or anything like that. There's no excuses here. You have Doug Peterson, a Super Bowl coach, who's going to instill an offense that's played well in the NFL, that's been effective in the NFL, both with Kansas City and with Philly. Um, and I think Trevor Lawrence's job is now to just get better. you got to improve on the completion percentage. You have to be accurate. You've been known to be accurate. I've seen those improvements just in preseason on throws, being more decisive, not being afraid, but also being safe with the football, if that makes sense. Um, little things about reading defenses, picking up on tendencies of defensive players, knowing where you're going to go with the football before you even really get into your in your drop step or when you start to take that snap. Um, yes, you should have an idea. You're not staring down a receiver, but you're going through your progressions, and you should know exactly where those defenders are going to be based on the offensive scheme and the defensive positioning um, that is their pre-snap. So learning the game, the IQ stuff, will all translate to less interceptions, higher completion percentage, and then ultimately those things lead to wins as the team continues to get better. So really it's just taking baby steps with Trevor Lawrence. Everybody's such in a rush to say, you have to be a franchise guy right away. No, you don't. You have to prove that you are getting better every year. And I'm going to go way off topic. But I do this with my son who played baseball his whole life. <laughs> and since he was eight years old, all we've talked about is I don't care if you're not the superstar Bryce Harper kid that's 12 that's hitting bombs over the fence. If every year you look back on the previous year and you said, you know what, I got better and I'm better than I was last year. That because at some point in time, most players peak and they stop getting better, and they just are who they are. The superstars are constantly evolving and constantly getting better. You can talk about any industry, any profession, any athlete. Tom Brady is playing at 45, not because he got great and just stayed great. He got better year in and year out. There was always something he could learn. He could change. He could adjust. Uh, 
I equate this to everything in life. And I think that's what we have to look for from these young quarterbacks is, are they getting better? If they stop getting better and they go like this, it's done. It's over. They're not going to be the great quarterback that they, you thought they were going to be. They have to show that they are improving. At what point do we say we want to start seeing Trevor Lawrence win the Jacksonville Jaguars games, like being the difference maker to win them these games. I mean, not to make the comparison to to what we just talked about with Carson Wentz, but like these expectations on these young quarterbacks, they are there, especially with Trevor Lawrence being the generation, the generational talent that we thought and hoped he would be uh, coming into the draft. At what point do we start saying, okay, Trevor, you have to start going out there and winning it. Like to me, and maybe this, and correct me if I'm wrong and yell at me if I, if you want, but, to me, I want to start seeing Trevor Lawrence be the difference maker in games. Maybe not maybe not a winning record this season or whatever, but like I want to see the wins that the Jacksonville Jaguars have this year, at least one or two of them, be because of Trevor Lawrence. Well, I'll tell you this. I, I think I think that's a, an appropriate expectation, but I was I will never be comfortable saying that about any quarterback until there's a roster surrounding that quarterback with a team that's talented enough to win. And I think that Jacksonville's heading in that direction um, this year. Like I do, we look at last year's team and we had expectations, but they were so young, they didn't have a clue what was going. On. They weren't going to win any games. Yeah, I, don't how good, I don't care how good Trevor Lawrence played last year, they weren't going to win games because they did not have a roster that was good enough to yeah. win games. And so now, when you start to see things put in place. You get a new head coach, somebody that has a track record of winning. Okay, you go and get a veteran receiver like Christian Kirk, who has played in an organization in Arizona that's won some games. And you start to bring in guys like that. And then you go out and draft hungry rookies that have talent. And you can, when you can look as a Jacksonville fan, this is what I would say. When you look at that depth chart in that roster, and you can say, man, we got talent everywhere. We got talent everywhere. That The first word is talent everywhere. Then you start saying, okay, what is my quarterback doing to win us games? Because remember, we love, and I, I don't mean to bring this name up because he's been in the media. We love Deshaun Watson. Last time we seen Deshaun Watson, he went four and twelve and threw and was the number one rated passer in the NFL. Led the league in passing, was the highest efficient rated passer we had seen in a long time. And they went four and twelve or whatever it was. And we don't look at Deshaun Watson and say, "Hey, that's on you." We looked at the rest of that roster and was like, "Look, man, this this guy can't do it with this roster because when he had a roster." We've seen he was in the playoffs. So yeah. that's the difference is we just have to be realistic as fans and say, look, now Jacksonville has a decent roster. Maybe next year it's even better. Then you start putting, attaching more expectations to Trevor saying, hey, you got dudes now. You got to go out and, and find ways to win. And that's when I'll say he's either got it or he doesn't. I expect, I will be very, very disappointed if we end this season and Trevor Lawrence is 12 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, 15 and 15 like if there's not an improvement i'm gonna be worried i'm gonna be i'm gonna be a little bit worried like they gotta they gotta figure it out they gotta figure it out and i know it's the first year in a new system and a new coach and all that stuff and that always sucks but look at alex smith alex smith did this seven years of it and then he got good when he got stability so i'm hoping doug peterson brings that i think that and you kind of almost alluded to this before is that like it's almost like this year is the, is Trevor Lawrence's rookie year all over again. Like this is yep. the first, like this is it. We've we're washing away what happened in in that first year with Urban Meyer and like in the back of my head, I'm like, man, like with quarterbacks like Baker Mayfield, like 
Are we doing like, are we just making this excuse for Trevor Lawrence? Like, is this what is like, I don't, I, I just don't want that to be the thing with Trevor Lawrence here. But I think that if they are valid at times. Yes. Again, excuses are not, you know, I hate excuses as much as the next person, but there, sometimes there's validity when you're in a toxic situation. Alex Smith, I always bring this up. He was in a toxic situation. He had seven new offensive coordinators and head coaches during that time. And he never sat right. And the minute he got some stability with Harbaugh, and then when they finally went to Kaepernick, went going to Andy Reid, Alex Smith was a different player. And he wasn't yeah. a world beater. He didn't turn out to be the greatest quarterback ever. But you looked at that guy and said, we can win with that guy. And they yeah. won. They went to AFC playoffs. They won playoff games. And, and I think that's what you're looking for in Trevor Lawrence. You're saying, hey, you are given us kind of a second rookie season because of everything that happened last year. And we brought in more talent. We paid yeah. some guys. We opened the wallet. We expect you to show us something. And that something doesn't and, have and to be 10 wins. And, and that's why I do think that I, I think this season is the year that with what the offseason moves, it's like, okay, I want to see you go out there and win us some get be the difference maker because the ten this isn't this is not the same offense that was filled with special teamers last year. This is a team that Christian Kirk, even Zay Jones has experience in the end. Marvin Jones too. This is a team that has talent now. Go out and win us some football games. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, you bring in Trayvon Walker. You got you got you bring in Devin Lloyd. You, or you go out and draft. Just say Devin it. Lloyd. Just say it. Just say it. They got some doll. Chad Muma. Can't forget Chad Muma. Muma. Hey, hey. Uh, they they keep replaying the uh, Jag Steelers game on NFL Network. And the day I watched, I got to catch the uh, watch it again, and I saw the almost interception that he had. I'm like, man, Chad Muma's gonna be that dude. Chamu is going to be a dude. He's going to be just, he's going to be like a, he's just going to be like a, just like a consistent. I'm, I'm not going to get to that. Um, he will be a longtime starting linebacker in this league. Watch. Agreed. It's, Agreed. It's, it's why I told you they should take him over to Kobe D. And I'm very, I am, I have, you, you know me, I have switched up on that. I've, I've seen the light, but you said something during our training camp preview show with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I wish I pulled up the video, but I don't have it. Um, you said the Jacksonville Jaguars will have a borderline top 10 defense this coming season. If that were to be the case, what needs to happen for the Jags to have a top 10 defense? Did I say that? You did. Did? Yeah. Sure. Positive. Um, I know one thing. I, I don't remember how I ranked them um, as far as the defense. I will. I know my word for word what I actually said uh, that I know well for sure. I may have said that, but I said the Jaguars will be the most improved defense in the NFL. I know I said that, um, and I firmly believe that. If I ranked them in the top, saying they can get into the top ten, hey, so be it. Um, I, and the reason I'm so excited about their defense is the talent that they've added. And it's strictly from a talent perspective. When you talk about guys like a Darius Williams, a Devin Lloyd, a Trayvon Walker, a Chad Muma, uh, a, a Foya Sada, a, a Luakon. <laughs> I, I can't ever say his first name. They've added so much talent defensively that I, I think it's going to just breed success. Like, I think they were so bad and, you know, obviously they couldn't stop anybody and they're going to get going. And maybe it's a slower start to the season, but I think ultimately this defense you will see will turn the page and they will be one of the better defenses in football. It's not going to be 2017 or whatever when they were, you know, Saxonville, baby. Yeah, it's not going to be that. I'm not saying that. But when you talk about a team being really, really bad, 
and then being really, really good, I think that's where you come in. That's where this comes into play. I think they're going to be so much more improved um, than they than they were last year. And I think that's I think that's huge. I think it's big for them. I think they were a bottom 10 or 12 defense in yards given up. Uh, they need they need the defense to be good. And yeah. I think they're going to be a lot better this year, um, super improved. And I'm excited. I honestly am super excited to watch Jacksonville's defense take take the field this year. Yeah, let's uh, let 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 us travel back in time to what you actually said uh, during that training camp show and what you're about to see, ladies and gentlemen watching on YouTube. You're about to see the format of our YouTube shorts and our Instagram reels. If you have not been able to check any of those out, head on over to YouTube now or Instagram page. Check out those shorts. Give us a like. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Uh, but here it is. Uh, hopefully they can stay healthy. I do like the revampness, and I think it's going to be a new-look defense. And I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't been this excited for a defense since we had everybody back in 2018-19. There's a lot of potential there. Potential turns into reality. I'll tell you right now, I think the biggest jump in the NFL is the Jaguars' defense. I, I don't think – you you talked about you talked about the tackling. And they didn't just go out and get guys that tackle. They went out and got dogs that tackle. Yeah, guys, I, I know I've been – we're talking about a Khan who, again, led the league in tackles. A tackling machine, doesn't miss tackles very often. Chad Muma was a tackling machine in college. Devin Lloyd is just an all-around playmaker. And then you add that, obviously, with the number one overall pick in a Trayvon Walker, who is going to be designed to get to the quarterback more so than play in space. I think the Jacksonville Jaguars defense takes the biggest stride out of any team in the league on the defensive side of the football. Ah, damn, you didn't say top ten. I know what I say, man. I'm a very consistent I think, person. I think what I did was I captioned it top 10 defense defense on social media to try it. Uh... <laughs> I'm a very consistent individual. I try to be as consistent as possible, uh, but I do change if things need to be changed. But it doesn't. It really doesn't take away from the fact that you're trying to say. I do believe the Jaguars defense takes a huge step forward, and that might catapult them into the top 10. I will say the same thing about their defense that I bring up with a lot of teams that have the talent, don't get into that top 10. It could be because of that offense. If that offense doesn't get to where we think they can get, then that defense is on the field again, and that causes a lot of problems. But there are many times there could be great defenses that aren't ranked in the top 10 because their offense doesn't provide them that opportunity to not be on the field all the time. So um, I'm really excited about the Jaguars' defense. I've, I've said it. I will be consistent about saying that. Uh, I really like what they've done at going to get talent in key positions. And I think they have a chance to be special in the next couple of years if they can keep everybody together. Yeah, yeah. I think this season, when it comes to, like, what to watch for with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I want to kind of build off of what we just talked about uh, with this defense, is I want to see some consistency in tackling. And I wish I had a stat to prove this and to kind of back this up, but I cannot find a stat that give that shows missed tackles Um per defense for, for the defenses. Um, but last season, if you were watching Jaguars games too many times, you saw a lot of just missed tackles, blown up plays. I mean, you, you, I mean, you can look back at all the Derrick Henry 99 yard touchdown runs and the poor tackling that came with that. Obviously. You want me Derek to give Henry, you the answer? Yes. Oh, wait, this is this. Uh... No, never mind. I don't have it. Fantastic. So while while maybe you get that, um, I think that, okay, tackles per game for the Jacksonville Jaguars 
Oh, they ranked 12th in tackles per game. It's probably because they were on defense a whole lot of the time. But my point being is I'm watching for this Jacksonville Jaguars defense to make plays and get stops and get off the field. Like there are too many times where you watch these Jaguar games and it's like a third and they get, they, they get a, they force like a third and long, a third and distance, maybe third and seven. And then the offenses just stay on the field and get, pick up those first downs because of missed tackling or blown up plays. I want to see this defense go out and make the plays. We have not seen it since 2017. And we've talked about it before this Jaguars team, like the front office made sure this year, to invest in the best tack, the best possible tacklers to be on this team, whether it's Chad Muma, Devin Lloyd, uh, Foye Aluakot, like those are the guys that they brought in specifically for tackling. I am watching for this team, and this may that I feel so stupid for saying this right now. Like what you're watching for, I'm watch, I'm looking for my for this team to tackle. Like that's what I'm looking for. But it is. Well, I can tell you they weren't last. Thanks. They weren't last. Detroit was ranked last. Detroit had 75 missed tackles last year. Got it. So they weren't last. Thanks. Thanks. Better than last. That's what I'm watching for for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's get into the odds for the Jags. And again, I told you before when we were talking about the Commanders, I had a slightly hard time finding some plus money with these teams. And there's no plus money at all for the Jacksonville Jaguars betting lines right now. Um, So under six and a half wins at minus 120. I this was at minus 110 for both of these um, over under 14 and a half Trevor Lawrence interceptions and then rookie defensive uh, uh, rookie pass rusher Trayvon Walker to have over six and a half sacks at minus 125 really I wanted to kind of get your lock on this but also um, discuss the Trevor Lawrence interceptions and what you think you're going to see from Lawrence this year, 17 interceptions last year, obviously the lines at 14 and a half. What's your lock and what are your thoughts on that? Uh, my lock is the Trayvon Walker. And it's crazy that it's still that you're not, it's paying the least amount of money. Um, that means Vegas is, they like what they're seeing from Trayvon Walker. Like minus, having minus 125 money from a rookie to go seven sacks. Um, you're not, that's, that's rare, uh, but I, I do like it. I think he's going to, I told you how I think they're going to use him. I know he's versatile and he can play inside, outside. I think they're going to tell this man, I don't care what you do on the field, have tunnel vision. Your job is to get to the quarterback. And with a freak athlete like that, I think he's going to get there a number of times. So I will take the over there. And I know it's not paying great money, but I just like it. Um, I also think Trevor Lawrence does go under that interception total. I don't think he throws that many this year. I think Doug Peterson's going to put him in good situations and he's going to find a way to protect the football a little bit better than he did last year. So uh, I would take the under on that as well. Okay. All right. I, um, I, I do like the trade. That would be my lock is the Trayvon Walker sacks when I think he's going to be a freak pass rusher. And it's definitely something the Jaguars have needed for a little bit now. Um, when we look at the schedule for this team though, uh, we didn't, neither of us took the, the lock on the, on the, um, record. Um, but what are you looking forward to most with this year? What, what do you think the defining part of the Jacksonville Jaguars schedule will be this year? Um, I kind of want to take this a different direction, Vinny. I, I apologize, but I don't know that there's a defining part for the Jaguars. I am looking for what, as I, as they play this schedule, I'm looking for competing and, and seeing what kind of games they're having against teams that they shouldn't be. When they go play the Broncos and the Chargers and 
the Colts maybe in this, uh, maybe not the Colts because it's a division game, but some of these out of division games, Baltimore's, Kansas City's, are they getting shellacked like a team that's uh, like normal teams that get beat that are four and whatever or three and whatever? Are they getting whooped or are you looking at them like they didn't win that game and maybe they, you know, they, they're not a better team than Kansas City or whatever. But it's like Kansas City had to take it into the fourth quarter with eight minutes left and, you know, go down and score once or twice and, and finally beat them. Like I'm looking for the small things that really don't pop out in a box score that don't show up when you just turn on ESPN highlights. Like if you're sitting down and watching the game, that's what I'm looking for. I want to see Jacksonville compete in a different way. Um, I watched some games last year with, uh, with Jacksonville in it. And there were times I'm like, Oh my God, that's the most boring football I've ever watched. And <laughs> yeah. from the NFL perspective, there were times it was, it was rough. And I don't want to see, I want to look at them and be like, honestly, some of what I saw from Houston last year, like, man, that team ain't good at all, but they were fighting and they had no talent and Jacksonville has talent. And I think when you find yourself in those type of games, in those situations, sometimes that talent is going to prevail and those losses might turn into wins if you're in those situations. Yeah. So that's what I'm looking for as far as the schedule, trying to pinpoint what games are going to matter. Let's be honest. I don't have Jacksonville making the playoffs. So well, yeah, the, the games, individual games, Parts of the season don't matter. It's how you play um, throughout the season is what I'm really looking at. You're looking for those gauge games. I feel like that's like the way to like sum it up. Like you're looking at for those gauge games and like say, okay, like gauging where the Jacksonville Jaguars are at when they play the big dogs, like where this team's development is when the, when like the chiefs and like when the Cowboys come to town, uh, when we go to that game in December. Yeah. We're going to slap you around. Hey, you know, um, hey, with Tyron, without Tyron Smith, Trayvon Walker's going to eat. That's going to be on his back all day, um, and you guys still might win. Um, but all right, let's well, let's let's get into our record predictions here for the Jacksonville Jaguars. What do you have them uh, going this this uh, season? Yeah, I told you I might surprise you, and the surprise comes because I've talked so highly about them, but I still don't have them winning a lot of games. So uh, I have Jacksonville. I'm sorry, I have them going four and thirteen, and this isn't about anything other than I don't know that how I don't know with the improvements that the record really improves. And there's a lot of toss up games that I might be wrong about, but I went the other side. Um, I went at jets. I went with the jets at Detroit. I went with Detroit um, again, playing those games on the road is tough. If they were in Jacksonville, those are probably wins for me. So toss up games. I usually go with the home team. So that could change from a four win season to a six or seven win season, just based on that alone. Um, also at Houston, um, I have them splitting with Houston. I have them splitting with Indy and I have them splitting with Tennessee, which is division games. Um, so those three wins in the division and then the one di- division outside of division win I have is the New York Giants, um, which is at home as well. And again, this is probably more so my tendency is to just pick home teams in tough games or toss up games and I have them going four and 13, but it would not shock me. And I will put a caveat on it. If they are a team that's at seven, eight wins it wouldn't i really believe they can be get to that point i would be very happy about that i'm not gonna say no to it i have them at five and eleven and i think i would have them at five i think i have at five and eleven i would have or five you gonna have a tie (laughs) five and twelve yeah five and twelve sorry i have the jaguars at five and twelve but i really got to be honest with myself and could possibly bump that down to four and eleven Jesus Christ, four and 13. Math is hard right now. Math is really hard. Five and 12 is my record. They could be four and 13 because my one win or one of my wins is coming against 
the Dallas Cowboys in week 15 because, well, that's a big game for everybody involved. Um, but realistically, that's where they're at around that four and four and 13 range, which is good. It's and it doesn't right mean it was a bad season. Like it doesn't no. mean it was a failure of a season. Like people have to realize that they are real rebuilding. They are looking for small improvements in certain areas. And if they get those, all it takes is that one season to go from that four and 13, five and 12. And next thing you know, you're 10 and seven. I will say this. I will say this. Kicking is going to be another issue. Jaguars fans, make sure you are prepared. Uh, kicking is an issue for most teams. That. Kicking is going to be a defined, like, the Jaguars have had a. I'm not going to get into it. Kicking's going to be go an for it on fourth down. Like I'm, I, I'm okay cares? with that. Kickers I'm, suck I'm not gonna... on every team unless you're the Bills, the Chiefs, the Baltimore. We don't have a kicker in Dallas. Yeah. Like who cares? Like kickers. You guys got rid of. You guys got rid of your kicker. You had Greg the leg at one point. You got rid of him again. Kicker because kickers suck. They're they're recyclable. Just go <laughs> find just... a guy that can kick. Go get a soccer player, some eighty pound man who has the big leg. Like who cares? disrespectful all right let's get into the power rankings for the jacksonville jaguars where do they fall yeah so um obviously you have them a little higher than i do um because you got mad at me in the private chat but the jacksonville jaguars are gonna they're gonna the jaguars are gonna struggle a little bit we have them at number 27 on our list um again we talked about the improvements needed to see from trevor lawrence the addition of a doug peterson coming in with a new offense a new style a new scheme I mean, how effective that's going to be. And then the defensive side of the football, we expect improvements. Uh, but how is that going to translate, obviously, into wins? It might not. So we have them at number 27, the Jaguars, number 27 on our preseason power rankings. There you go. That does it for another episode of the Sac City Podcast. We'll be back again tomorrow at 10 a.m. Eastern time right here on YouTube uh, covering, wait for it, wait for it. Wait <laughs> that's exactly for what it. I was trying to get to. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we have the Ravens and the Jets. The Ravens Ooh. and the Jets. Ooh, that's going to be a good episode. That's going to be a yeah. good episode talking yes. Ravens, talking Jets. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens and what was once the no, no, no I'm going to get into that. Um, Ravens, Jets tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern time, right here on YouTube. You are not going to want to miss it. That's it for my best friend Aaron Mukes and for myself. We will see you tomorrow is out Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. You made it this far, so you must have liked that show. If you did, go ahead and think of two people you can share this episode with. We can never have too many people in the city. So don't forget to hit that follow button. Sac City. Population. One more. <laughs>